Hello, and welcome to the Professional Insight Podcast, Season 6, Episode No Idea. Uh, thank you gonna all. going to be a good one. It's very. It's going to be a real good one. My name's Brandon Curry. Uh, I'm Josh Bond. On. And Trevor Lindy. Gentlemen, uh, never in my wildest dreams, 20 years ago, when I was doing the, the obligatory watch of the O.C., you know, as you do, as you should do as a good boyfriend and now husband, um, is thought that he'd be talking to Ben McKenzie. How are you, sir? I'm great, man. Trust me, I didn't expect to be here either. This is surreal. Um, Thanks for having me it's on. For a, it's, a for, it's for a completely different reason than showbiz and your your, your occupation. Um, yeah. It is about your new book, uh, which all of us have the e it's called easy money and it's basically cryptocurrency casino capitalism and the golden age of fraud and the basically the giant ponzi scheme pyramid scheme that that unfortunately collapsed in 2022 um and i i have to admit uh you know you you have so for everyone that's reading i i obviously being a certified financial planner i've read a lot of finance books and they still do You've written that you and Jacob have done such a great job in making this also a very approachable read. And I want to applaud you for that because you address a lot of this and your self-deprecating sense of humor. Uh, that was actually good. There's a lot of great jokes. We'll get those. It, it, we'll get to that in a second. All right. <laughs> um, be, because there's a couple of times I, I did read the book twice um but just once initially just to read it and then when i found out that we could, this could go i wanted to go through again with a more fine tooth comb and even i was stuck up on some of even the chapters they just made my head shake um especially your interview <laughs> with SPF and just like yeah. that was just crazy um let's er take everyone through your journey uh very timeline right. because i know you're on a time crunch but i just and sure. then we'll I know Josh and Trevor both have lots of questions too. Sure, sure. Well, first of all, thank you, Brandon, for that. I mean, my intention was to write the book in a way that could be understood by anyone. You don't need to know anything about economics or finance or economic history or any of that stuff. I, hell, I barely did before I started this. I have an undergraduate degree in economics, but uh, I became fascinated by this stuff called cryptocurrency, um, basically because... Uh, I'm a storyteller. Words are my tools. And when crypto was calling itself a currency, I was just thrown by that. I thought, wait a minute, these things aren't currencies. I mean, I can't actually buy anything with them. You know, I live in Brooklyn. If I went to my local deli and tried to buy a bagel with Bitcoin, the guys would look at me like I was crazy. And basically, I got drawn into crypto or almost drawn in because a friend of mine um, came to me and said I should consider investing in it. The, the, the way that I suspected it was not on the up and up was this friend who's a dear friend had given me the worst financial advice of my life, like about 20 years prior when, uh, when we were in our 20s. He had encouraged me to invest in this obscure medical company. And basically I put about 10 grand in and I lost most of it very quickly, as did he. He was not scamming me. We were both... Uh, perhaps a victim of a penny stock pump and dump scheme. Anyway, when he came back, uh, you know, in 2021 and said, you should look at Bitcoin, I thought, uh, what is this stuff? So 
I just, I don't know, man, I had a ton of time over the pandemic. The entertainment industry was, was on ice um, for a long while. Obviously, it was hard to, to practice our profession um, with COVID restrictions. And so I read a ton of stuff. I took courses online. Uh, Gary Gensler, who's now the head of the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, taught a class at MIT on crypto and blockchain in 2019, and he made it available for free online. So I took that. And I came out the other side saying, am I crazy or is this potentially the biggest Ponzi scheme in history? Which at the time sounded pretty insane, given that this is 2021 and the crypto market's more or less at its height. But I just couldn't get, I couldn't shake that feeling. So I reached out to this journalist who I didn't even know. I just saw that he'd, uh, he'd written an article that I thought was funny. He lived in Brooklyn. And I invited him to drinks and said, hey, what if we wrote a book that I don't know how to write about events that haven't happened yet? Uh, and he foolishly agreed. And we set out on our journey and investigated this industry for the last two years, uh, talking to people, everyone from Sam Bankman-Fried all the way down to, you know, regular people putting in their money, uh, went to El Salvador, the only country in the, the world trying to use cryptos as real money. And what's crazy is as, as bad as I feared it was, it's actually potentially even worse. Um, you know, most people, unfortunately, at this point have lost money. I think most people at this point are pretty, even if they don't actually understand what happened, they are aware, generally speaking, of cryptos, uh, of the pervasive fraud. And so I'm just trying to educate people and entertain. You know, hopefully the book is fun and entertaining. And I'm so glad that you liked it. Thank you for having me on. Um. Bondo, I mean, well, I, I don't know. I know Bondo, you and I were 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 chatting um, in preparation for this, and um, what you know, you you address this in the book, Ben, with your self-deprecating humor, which I I do, I find that to be an admirable trait, especially for someone in Hollywood, and you know, like you just have that the humbleness because you do. I love know. making fun of myself. Yeah, it's After. my favorite. It's great. My favorite. Yeah, you got to. You got it. Who, you got who can it, you right? make fun of if you can't make fun of yourself? You got to make fun of yourself exactly. first, right? We can make fun of Curry right now. But the one thing, like, you do address, like, your concern, your anxiety over the fact that, oh, my God, are people going to take me seriously? Is this just another, because you can't, you were one of the first to come out against it. Yeah. And you were worried, like, oh, is this, here's another celebrity trying to, prop up his name. Like you make all these comments in the book and you just acknowledge it to the reader, which I thought was very refreshing because that is something I felt. I did. I'll be honest with you in three years ago. Yeah. But Bondo, you and I were chatting and being the lawyer out of the group, your Senate hearing, you got called in front of the U S Senate. So Bondo, I know you had a couple questions about that. Yeah, no, just, uh, generally speaking, uh, First of all, good on you for staying active during the shit that we went through for a few years in the pandemic, right? And uh, to that point, uh, you know, a lot of us just look at uh, your other career and, you know, as an entertainer, don't put much stock in terms of the intellect that goes behind an individual, you know, uh, actor, we'll say. But, you know, something that you've put together here really really exposes an intellectual point of view. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tip, tip my hat to you for using your platform to try and uh, 
educate people that wouldn't otherwise be educated on the points that you've uh, you've highlighted in your books. And, and, and listen, at the end of the day, it's from my perspective, it's how do we how do we try to any and all of these get rich quick kind of schemes? How, how do we how do we how do we how can we eliminate them or how can we regulate them? Right. Like it's yeah. uh, like I, I don't think that crypto is a, a, a terrible thing. If it's done proper, it could be a good, decent thing if it's done properly, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it, and again, that's the regulation piece to it. Um, another thing to it is, what's your point on what crypto has been used for? Sure, sure. Yeah, so so we've got to kind of deconstruct a lot of myths. Um, I mean, first of all, to your point about um you know, there being sort of a presumption that people in the entertainment industry, especially actors, are, uh, you know, not necessarily the sharpest tools in the shed and, yep. you know, probably should, you know, pretty face, tired. right? Yeah, pretty yep. face, em- empty head. Like, look, yep. man, there's not like, it's not like there's not some truth to, to some of that. But, you know, I think anytime you're stereotyping a massive group of people, and I understand why people do it because they see actors on TV and they're like, uh, you know, basically uh, shut up and entertain me. I don't want to want to hear your views on, on anything, but, uh, but what movie you're promoting. But the truth is like, I mean, look, I'm a citizen of the United States. I have a responsibility as I see it to speak up when I feel like people are being defrauded and that's what I felt. And that's what's, what's happened uh, since. So uh, I trust me, I struggle with those same, same, same feelings um, in terms of like, cryptocurrency in its in its fundamental form we, we have to understand that blockchain technology which is the technology crypto is really built on is not new at all it, it's over 30 years old it goes back to at least 1991 Stuart haber and scott stornetta working at bell labs and a, a blockchain is just a distributed ledger it's just a way of storing information um it's not revolutionary it's not unique i have nothing against blockchain <laughs> i'm not mad at a ledger yep. um it's really the way that it's used and to your point, what it can be used for at this point, all that blockchain really can be used for in the two years that I've been studying it is gambling, which is effectively what cryptocurrency is, you know, these 100%. Crypt- yeah, it's a zero sum game. It's not like um, like a counter example would be the stock market, right? The stock market for all its many flaws is there to efficiently allocate capital to productive use, right? It's there to... Companies want to raise money through offering stock. They, they take that money and then they invest in their companies. And then over time, the good companies grow, right? Because they're actually making stuff, you know, providing goods and services. Well, with crypto, you may have noticed something. They don't do anything. There's no goods. There's no services. They're very weird. Effectively, they're securities because they're used as investments. They're not used as currencies. And yet there's no product, no good or service. And so the way that blockchain is being used for cryptocurrencies is really, you know, effectively a Ponzi scheme, right? It's, it's getting as many people in as possible. Um, The ownership is very obscure. Many of these cryptocurrencies, especially the more obscure ones, they're really owned by very small group of people. I mean, you saw this with FTX's implosion and the FTT token that that FTX, um, you know, owned a lot of and had sort of inflated the value of, um, so they're very similar to penny stock pump and dump schemes. And, uh, you know, I think that it's important to separate the technology of blockchain, which may have some use in the future, 
uh, from, from its application right now. So other than gambling, the only other real use case for crypto is illegal activity. Um, right. Tax evasion, sanctions evasion, uh, uh, capital flight, ransomware, obviously. Um, you know, I'm just being what honest about here. Yeah, I mean, you can use it for basically anything, tra- human trafficking, uh, unfortunately. Um, and so I understand crypto advocates are like, well, look, we don't like some authoritarian states. And so we want to have this current this way of like sending value, you know, instantaneously overseas. But the truth of the matter is, if the good guys can do it, then the bad guys can do it, too. Right. I mean, there's no way to avoid that fundamental like friction. And right now it's being used by bad guys uh, primarily because, you know, they're the ones willing to take the risk to uh, to once there's real money in the crypto ecosystem, basically generated by retail traders, by regular people, then there's enough liquidity for the bad guys to be able to use it for all sorts of stuff. I mean, North Korean hackers using it for ransomware, ISIS, ISIS laundering money through, through allegedly through through exchanges like finance, stuff like that. I mean, you know, it's pretty bad stuff. So we got to really like be honest about what it's being used for as to what where blockchain could potentially be used in the future. I'm agnostic. I don't really care um, as long as it's not used in the way that it's used right now. Use it for good, not bad, right? Yeah, sure. Simple yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and enforce securities laws. I mean, what's ironic is that there's over 20,000 cryptocurrencies out there right now. That's more cryptocurrencies than there are stocks in the major U.S. stock exchanges, <laughs> which is pretty wild, right? And, and I mean, they're tiny effectively, but like, you know, at least theoretically they're worth, you know, some of these are worth billions of dollars, even though if you look at the actual money behind them, it's very little. But, you know, we've had federal securities laws in the United States since the 1930s, because in the 1920s, we didn't. And the bubble of the 1920s, you know, the roaring 20s and all this like paper wealth that was generated, it, it led to the crash of 1929 and the Great Depression. Is one of the contributing factors. And so it's pretty ironic, but about a hundred years later, we're mm-hmm. actually revisiting a time before we had federal securities legislation. And the reason that we needed the legislation was to protect against market manipulation and fraud. I mean, primarily um, people were getting swindled. And back then you could do whatever the hell you wanted. You could corner the market, you could paint the tape, you could do wash trading, you could do all these other things that, you know, look, let's be honest. There is some of that stuff in regulated markets, of course, but far less because there's a price to pay. If you violate the rules, then, you know, you can get fined, you can go to jail. Um, the crypto guys are figuring this out now, but a lot of these companies, they're, the volume in crypto runs through the overseas exchanges on, on purpose. They, they don't want to be here in America because they don't want to have to Tracking. follow our rules. Yeah. yeah. And they want to be able to, exactly, they want to be able to get away with it. And it's much harder to enforce, you know, our laws overseas, right? We got to work with foreign governments and, and stuff like that. So that was one of the things that was sort of uh, shocking when I first got into it was like, oh, my God, how is the government going to even attempt to get it to get a hold on this? And effectively, what happened is, you know, we can debate whether they did a good job or not, but they could only come in after the collapse to really try to, you know, fix it. To that point, though, you had, uh, you know, had some involvement at the Senate level and what can you speak to in terms of that experience? Cause you're getting, you're sitting in the room and you're getting different perspectives, right? And it's, you know, some of them are good points, right? Somebody, you know, they're speaking to the business case and, and, you know, I mean, we're all business people and yeah, you want, you want to allow free 
somewhat of a free free enterprise, right? Sure. Yeah. But within a regulated uh, platform, right? So, but I mean, you're sitting there and you're, you're, you know, you're speaking good points. And again, I tip my hat to you because the more education and the more that these things are brought to light, you know, the, the more people will even just at least be talking about it at the water cooler, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wrote the book to try to, you know, when you're at that barbecue with your friends, and there's always that guy who's trying to get you to buy this or that crypto. Hundred percent. Right? I mean, we've all had that experience. I had that experience. Um, and it's often your friend. So it's like it's, this was my buddy Dave. He's one of my closest friends. Like I got no, and he wasn't trying to swindle me. He he had bought Bitcoin, what like maybe six months prior or a year prior. He'd seen the price go up, and he was like, "Hey, man, you should look into this." Right? That's how that's trying how to attract works. you to a good thing, right? Yeah, he's he's not he's he's got no bad intentions, and the vast majority of people that have bought crypto have no bad intentions, right? I mean, let's let's look at some stats. The the majority of people who have ever bought cryptocurrency bought it in 2021, and we know that from the industry's own studies. There's a Bitcoin company or a crypto company called Grayscale that did a study in December of 2021. And they studied when did you buy it and 55% of people who'd ever bought Bitcoin ever in its whole history of 15 years bought it in 2021. Wow. Well, in 2021, the price, yeah, the price was like at its, you know, it's all time high, right? Between like 30 and $69,000 a coin. So if you bought it in 2021, you've almost assuredly lost money, right? And that's, by the way, that's if you can get it out, right? And that's the real we're really getting into money and lying. We're really getting into fraud here because let's just try to name some of the companies that they that you can't get your money out right now because they've gone bankrupt. FTX, 1.2 million American customers, 5 million worldwide, they claim. Celsius, a crypto lending firm, 300,000 customers. Um, uh, BlockFi, Gemini. That's crazy. That's it's crazy. just it's, You're talking We're about losing millions. Money. Yeah, yeah. And so look, when I t- testified in the front of the Senate, and I'd had conversations with various various Senate staffs beforehand as they're, you know, trying to vet you, trying to make sure that you know what you're talking about. Um, I think, look, there is always that tension. You always want to encourage productive use and productive use of new technologies. But what I get really pissed off about was, excuse the language, is oh, the, the... Oh, yeah, we like that. The way... It, well, they were lying. They weren't being truthful about... If, if blockchain was so is so innovative then why after 30 years are its primary use cases gambling and criminal activity? Like, can you name a single blockchain company that you use on a daily basis or ever that isn't just a cryptocurrency you know, endeavor? No, you can't because they don't exist. And a lot of companies have tried. One of the problems with blockchain is that it doesn't scale very well. Bitcoin can only do, um, I think it's five to seven transactions a second because of the proof of work nature, all those computers mining the Bitcoin and stuff. Um, Visa, for example, can do 24,000 transactions a second. So <laughs> it's never going to scale to get- Not even close. Right? Not even close. And then you can try something else, which is called proof of stake, but that's basically much more like a security and has all these other problems of being effectively unregistered and licensed security. So we really need to be honest when what we're talking about uh, technology in quotes, because innovation- has been used as a buzzword for many purposes. Sometimes it's valid. Sometimes it's legit innovations that's going to, you know, remake yep. the world as, as like the internet, for example, has done as, as evidenced by the fact that I'm speaking to you 
using it right now. But but blockchain and crypto is not the internet. I mean, and we know that because it's been around for 30 years. Innovation as a buzzword, historically speaking, has been used for fraud for, for hundreds of years. I mean, yeah. Charles Ponzi used, the way we get Ponzi scheme is from these international reply coupons that were these like, he was arbitraging a, a price discrepancy between sending mail back and forth between Europe and the US. This is, you know, 1919. So this is 100 years ago. And yeah. so there was a legit like thing there, but he was totally making it up. He totally, he got so much money in that at one point his Ponzi scheme was bigger than the entire international apply coupon market. And a, and a, and, and a reporter figured oh, it wow. out. The reporter figured it out and the whole thing fell apart in like less than a year. It was pre, it's a pretty great story. So innovation has always been used to swindle yeah. people. And we need to really like be honest about, all right, is this really innovative? What are we talking about? Yeah, my, my, one of my buddies, same, similar story, right? But he had got into, he came to me with uh, an idea, right? Uh, you know, where you donate X amount of dollars and it's a good cause. They take that money and they buy medicine for third world countries. Lo and behold, you get a tax break and then you get your $3,000 back or you get $6,000 back or something crazy like that. I said, listen, man, that sounds way too good to be true, right? Yeah. But yeah, if it sounds good, if it sounds too good to be true. Run away. It probably, it probably is. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you guys, I'm sure, talk about this stuff all the time. But like three years later, all, yeah, the government yeah. caught up with him and he owed penalties and back interest, right? Yeah, I was just about yeah. to ask you how it ended up for you. so i I think i think when i was when i was going through i think the thing that really blew my mind is the application of wash trading and and mix and the use of mixers and over-the-counter trading which will lead into like trevor and i were chatting as well and you know like he was blowing trevor's mind because he's a mortgage broker how the heck did they leverage this thing i know he's got a bunch of questions about that but can we can you just briefly uh educate our listeners and our viewers on what wash trading is, what the mixers are and over the counter, which I didn't even, didn't even cross my mind. This why when you, when you wrote this book, it's worse than what I thought. Um, Yeah. But go ahead, please. Yeah, sure. So wash trading is a fake volume because the pseudonymity of the blockchain obscures who owns what, uh, addresses, effectively accounts, they call them addresses. Um, you can have as many addresses as you want, and you can send this crypto back and forth amongst accounts, addresses you control, which makes it look like there's a market for this or that cryptocurrency. When in fact, no such real market exists, right? All you're really, because you're basically just taking a, you know, a fake dollar and you're, you're you know, taking one it from one hand and flipping other. it. Yeah, one side or the other, back and back and forth. So it doesn't really cost you anything except whatever nominal fee that the exchange charges you. And because it's unregulated, wash trading is an enormous part of cryptocurrency. I read a, uh, a study that looked at 29 exchanges. It found 70% wash trading on the unregistered exchange. 70% means the majority, if that's true, the majority of the volume in cryptocurrency is fake. It's not there. All they really want you to do is take your real money and buy whatever, whichever cryptocurrency they're, they're shilling because they've artificially inflated the price. When you buy it, you are going to like, hey, and it might continue to go up on screen or whatever. It's when you try to sell it 
that you're going to have a problem <laughs> because you know you're not going to sell it to them i mean they're 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 going to sell it to you but um it's getting your money in and out so wash trading is a huge part of it and look you don't have to take my word for it um i that study uh is a good one to look at i can uh, i can send you guys the link but there's also uh the sec complaint against finance which is the biggest crypto uh exchange by a country mile and the allegations there are pretty astonishing uh i believe the allegation is on their u.s platform um 99% of the volume in the first hour they were set up was wash trading and 70% on the first day or something insane. So, you know, man, look, just know it's, if it's, if crypto is like gambling, you're gambling in an unregistered unlicensed casino. So there's not really anything stopping them from, yeah. from rigging the game. You're not playing a fair game. So that's wash trading. Um, what else you asked about? Uh, uh, just a shit over storm. the counter. That's just a shit storm. That's all it yeah, is. Yeah, it's a shit storm. OTC is over the counter. So you're like, you're taking cash money. It could be any uh, regular money, you know, dollars, euro, yuan. And you're, you're trying to get it, you're, you're trying to turn it into crypto. Now, why would you want to do that? Well, if you're in China, you might want to be trying to get your Chinese money out of the country because there's capital controls there, right? $50,000, I think, is the limit that you're yep. allowed to take yep, out of the right. country. So you're correct. So there's a, yeah, okay, great. So there's a ton. That was an enormous part of crypto and still sort of is. There's a lot of people uh, who come from from that area of the uh, of the world who, who are intimately involved in crypto. Um, they want to get their money out. Um, uh, but you could also use it for money laundering, right? I mean, if you have dirty money, crypto is pretty appealing because you take your dirty money, you turn it into crypto, you can send it all over the world, um, you know, instantaneously. Uh, and, you, and you're prepared as a money launderer, you're prepared to take a haircut, right? You know, you're not trying to turn yeah. one, one dirty dollar into one real dollar. I mean, oh. that'd be great. But if you can turn one dirty dollar into 80 cents, 60 cents, 50 cents, like, great. You know what I mean? So, so there's just a ton of that stuff going on. It's, 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 uh, uh, and OTCs were sort of like a you know dirty little secret, right? Like people didn't really want to talk about it. But now you see in the stuff that's come out with Sam, uh, the FTX implosion, they had an OTC desk, Binance, all these exchanges that are that are headquartered overseas. They're facilitating, you know, at least allegedly, they're facilitating a lot a lot of fraud and, and money laundering. Uh, Trev, you you on that? Um, you I know you were really intrigued on the whole FTX and. The billion dollar raise and then the 430.69 raise <laughs> yeah oh, in, in all honesty, small penises so honestly they all do yes yes <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here listening like, to ben talking like my head's just it's spinning in all honesty like i don't you've got so many people that are to josh's comment before in that get rich quick scheme you've got people that are trying to leverage this for borrowing purposes like there's where does it stop? Where, you know, how do the regulators, how can they come in and, and, and put a stop to this where consumers can actually be protected? And it, it really doesn't feel like there's any chance. It's, it's, it's going to be difficult because I think, you know, what are our securities laws predicated on? Primarily disclosure, right? Mm -hmm. It's pretty simple. If you're investing your money, you need to know who the hell you're giving your money to and what the hell they're doing with that money. 100%. And so, right? It's it's pretty simple. Simple. Stuff. So, 
Yeah, and, and people, you know, companies will complain about how many SEC, uh, you know, things they have to jump through, all the, all the paperwork, and, you know, I, we can argue about that stuff. But at the, at the fundamental level, all that stuff is there so that it, the public knows what they're buying. When they're Who buying and what? That. Yeah, exactly. And crypto doesn't have that almost kind of by design. I mean, I'm not saying it was intended, but the pseudonymity of the blockchain, the fact that you know, what is a blockchain? It's like a way of storing information. And there's a public key where people can see what addresses are interacting with one another. But there's a private key that, that allows you to keep yourself synonymous. Like you, you don't know who is interacting with whom, right? And so that feels like a fundamental tension that's difficult to unravel, right? Like how do you have the things that you like? You know, I understand people want privacy. I get that. But our monetary system and our financial system, I would argue, is what's known in economics as a public good. Like we need a functional monetary system. We need a functional financial system for us all to benefit, right? I mean, if you can't trust the stock market, I understand people have, trust me, there's a lot of fraud in the regulated market as well. Um, that'll be the subject of maybe my next book. But like, uh, <laughs> but, but at least there's rules and at least the majority of the stuff is on the up and up so people can invest. And, and the fact that they are, they trust the system allows it to keep going. Um, with crypto, at, at least up to this point, there's very little of that stuff, and there's no real incentive for the industry to. You know, they, they were talking about self-regulation for a while, which to me is hilarious because I got three small kids. I got a I got a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a two-year-old. Nice. And uh, let's just say I'm pretty skeptical of self-regulation. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like. If I yeah, applied self-regulation yeah. to my children, you know what I mean? I'd come home to like stains on the couch, <laughs> yeah. shit on the walls. Like, you know what I mean? Give me a break. There's, there's got to be rules, right? Belly you know, full of sugar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're going to self-regulate after, you know, three ice creams. Like, give me a break. Um, and so, you know, the, the adults have to be in charge here. And that's kind of belatedly what's happening, you know? But it did get pretty out of control. I mean, the way that they were able to do it in terms of... Uh, like FTX was, um, you know, other than Bit Bitcoin has a hard cap, at least per the code of 21 million Bitcoin. But the other cryptos, I mean, technically, you could kind of create as many of them as you want. So if you can borrow against that fake money and get real money by, you know, these VC raises that they did and stuff, um, that's bad because <laughs> your leverage is unlimited, right? I mean, it's, it's infinite because, you know, if these things don't really have any value and you can borrow billions of dollars or and or steal it from your customers, um, you know, it's pretty insane, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, insane. It's, it, it's kind of a genius. Uh, and it, again, it really starts with just calling it money, right? It really just starts with that because they immediately apply some like substance to it, just like subconsciously. almost, right? Yeah, some tangible. And that's why they call them coins, I think, and token, mm -hmm. you know, Coins, I think it sounds better than tokens, but like um, almost all of the words in crypto or so many of the words in crypto don't mean what they would normally mean in regular uh, the, the English language. And they, in fact, mean the opposite. Um, you know, uh, stable coins are not stable. Uh, centralized mean decentralized means centralized. Um, you can even combine these meaningless words to form meaningless phrases. There's this thing called DAOs, which are supposedly decentralized autonomous organizations 
that are, in fact, neither decentralized nor autonomous nor particularly organized. They're just <laughs> a mess. <laughs> and so it's just like an exercise in, in nonsense, right? And yeah. you just kind of go around and around and around. And I get that people want to believe in what crypto says it can do. Like, I totally get that. Like, we, we all know our financial system is messed up. It's not as equal as it should be. People don't have as much of a fair shake as they want. I get that. I believe in that. It's the sleight of hand with crypto where they say, hey, you know, you like, you hate our financial system. People go, yeah, crypto solves it. Yes. That's the, that's the trick. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. not the, it's not pointing out the problems. It's saying that crypto fixes them. Fix it. Crypto actually makes almost all of them worse. Yeah. You know, it doesn't build generational wealth. It can take it away. It doesn't bank the unbanked. It can leave people who are already unbanked you know, put them in, in associations with people who are not on the up and up, let's say. Go to the um, casino and put a money on red or black. It's a better use of your money, to be honest with you. Because at you least know. there, you know the odds, right? Yeah. At least in Vegas, they're pretty transparent about it. I joke that crypto's like Vegas in the 50s when the mafia ran it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's not the same. No. So but, there's a, there, is a, there is a saying in, in, in finance, which is basically... During a boom, everyone thinks they're Warren Buffett. During a recession, everyone quotes, uh, quotes Warren Buffett. So I did find it ironic in the book when Peter Thiel got up on stage at South by Southwest and basically said, you know, who who ironically made all of his money making PayPal, which is our current fiat system. But we'll leave that over there um, and starts, you know, hammering on Warren Buffett. Um <laughs> And yet at that same conference, you ended up getting uh, the interview with Alex uh, Mashinsky. I hope I'm pronouncing it right from the C the ex CEO of the now defunct corrupt Celsius. And he basically admitted to you on the record. It was like the, the 15% is how much actual cash the rest was just poof. smoke and mirrors. Um, yeah. And I, so on this, what really got me got me going was in 2018. I was I was with I got to keep it very vague because I don't want to, you know, yeah. I, I've got I'm a fiduciary, so I got to be confidential. But oh. there was this uh, couple. They came into a little bit of money, and then the first thing into them, which was you know seventy thousand, which was a lot of money at the time, a lot of money to anybody. Yeah. And they go to me and they wanted to put it into this this this, you know, Bitcoin, and this is. And I never saw the money as an investment purpose, so I don't know what ended up happening. But in the book, you actually talk about uh, two specific that come up. The, the, the Korean family, uh, suicide, murder-suicide, um, and uh, Hall at the end of the book. Um, Hal, Hall, sorry for my mispronouncing Hal, his name. Yeah, yeah. Hal. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to know a couple things. And what are your thoughts initially then with maybe the threats on your life? Were there any threats? Are there? Um, blowback and the blowback specifically around the, Hey, well, crypto, uh, Bit, uh, Bitcoin's now at $30,000 a coin up from 20,000. It's a 50% rise. So right. I'll let you address that. Sure. Sure. I mean, thankfully I have not had any threats in my life. I've had some, you know, some, I mean, look, crypto guys are not subtle. So I've gotten a lot of hate online and I love the mute button on Twitter. It's my new, it's my new buddy. Uh, I don't like to block them. I like to mute them because then they can't tell that I'm not hearing them. It's like my favorite thing in the world. I, I wish the mute, <laughs> mute button existed in real life. It's amazing. It's like, what? I'm sorry. I can't hear you. Because um, uh, it's not a it's not an, uh, uh, an, an honest discourse, right? They're not really trying to point anything out. Um, I haven't had any threats in my life. I've had a few situations that are a little odd. But, um, but look, man, I, 
over the course of this investigation, I've uh, made contacts in, in law enforcement, either ex or current. And, you know, I'll just say, you know, you want to come at me. Good luck. Um, You're okay. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. You'd have to be pretty dumb. Not that that's, you know, something there's a lot of dumb out there, but yeah, that's exactly. really dumb. <laughs> You're real dumb. As for the victims, um, you know, it's, it's pretty painful. I think that's really one of, you know, it is really, I say it in the author's note at the beginning of the book, but like I wrote the, the book for the people that bought crypto. Um, most of whom have lost money at this point. Um, because if you want to know what happened, I'm going to help explain some things. If you don't, fine. But these, these, these bubbles are all fun when everything is going up. But then there's real life consequences when they collapse. You know, people, uh, people get in way over their heads and, um, you know, depression, suicide. Let's be honest. This is a, a lot of this is gambling addiction um, when he gets down to it. And gambling addiction is a really serious thing. I was much more sort of like, eh, gambling, it's fine. And I, I'm not saying we should outlaw gambling or anything, but gambling addiction is a very serious addiction. We talked to some experts uh, on it. It's very easy to hide from friends and family. Um, it's, you know, it's predominantly male. It's usually men, uh, especially young men um, who have a higher risk tolerance. And, you know, you have fun when you're making money, but when you don't, it gets real dark real quick and it can mix with other addictions. And so I think we should have a conversation about mental health and, and gambling addiction, especially Absolutely. for young men who, who like, you know, pride themselves on being tough and macho yep. and smart and all that. It's hard to talk about. I get it, man. That's what I want to talk about. I mean, I mentioned in the book, like I had made some bets and I had been wrong. I wanted to talk about that and be like, look guys, like I'm writing a book about it and I can be wrong. You have to have humility. You guys know this in any, any finance, anything related to money, you have to be humble. You have to constantly check yourself over and over and over again and check yeah. your, 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 uh, your assumptions over and over again um, and be willing to change based on new information. I'm as tough uh, as my wife lets me be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way of putting it. That's a smart, uh, smart husband, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Trust me. There've been some awkward conversations. Uh, honey. <laughs> no, but I was right. I was yes. Wrong. Yes. I was right on the wrong on the timing. She's like, that's yeah. you're like it's true. Um, and yeah, sorry. And there was one more question there that I forget what it was. Was there one more? Mm, no, um, oh, just I, the rebounding I, of crypto, okay. the re, the rebound uh, the rebounding of uh, Bitcoin. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's just... that's a great one. I mean, the market's not an honest market. I don't know how else to put it. So if you're in what is a regulated or at least theoretically regulated exchange in America, that would be like Coinbase. Um, you know, they're being sued by the SEC. So maybe they'll end up not being one, but for the moment they are, they at least have to, you know, file SEC disclosures and do all sorts of stuff that at least probably means when you have their money there, you can get it out. But um, even there, you have a lot of problems. If you go on message boards for any of these companies, you will see endless complaints. And of course, most of the volume runs overseas and most people are buying crypto overseas. So again, I'll just, you don't have to take my word for it. You can go back to that guy, Mashinsky, who I interviewed South by Southwest, who told me 10 to 15% of the money in crypto is real and the rest is speculation. And that was then, that was a year ago. So right now what's happening is retail's gone away. The retail volume, the regular people are not buying it anywhere the numbers they used to. It's actually retail volume on the exchanges is lower than it was before the current boom started at the end of 2020. And 
So all of this fake money is, 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 tr is trying to get into real money and there's not enough of it to go around, which is why you saw these collapses of all these companies. But I hate to be the bearer of bad news. It's not over yet. You know, Binance, the biggest exchange, Binance accounts for over half of the volume in all of crypto. It's been sued by the SEC. It's been sued by the CFTC. Uh, there are, uh, there's reporting that the DOJ is investigating. You know, if Binance were to go down, that would not be That's good. It. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, we'll see. There's sort of Binance and Tether left. Tether is kind of like the poker chips in the casino, the stable coin company. Um, but should the adults get involved in, and start regulating this and put some money into regulating it? Right? Because Yeah, mean I mean, yeah, we got to enforce securities laws. The, the, the problem is, one of the problems, as I pointed out in the book, is the SEC and the CFTC are not uh, law enforcement agencies primarily, right? They're not out there like charging people with yeah. crimes they go to jail with. They're civil enforcement agencies. So they like find people, they can refer cases to DOJ, but they're also domestic agencies in, in the United States. It's they can't go to the Bahamas and work with the, uh, the Bahamian securities regulators, <laughs> which, which was not a thing I even knew existed until <laughs> Sam's, uh, Sam's fall apart. But, but like, you know, you need international global law enforcement to, to, to collaborate. That takes a lot of work. It's hard. Huge. Um, you know, and it's tricky to, to pull off for reasons you can only imagine, right? Politics of it. So I think re regulators are coming around to it now, but unfortunately, historically speaking, they only come in after the bubbles popped. Because before then, A, it's hard to get ahead of it, and B, you might get blamed for popping it. So yeah. technically, 100%. you know, yeah. So that's kind of the way that goes. So I know you're on a tight time time schedule because you're doing a, a big press release and um, tour of the book. Um, Busy time. We're very Busy time. We're very, we're very humble time, that, you, that you came on the show. Everyone, please, please buy this book. Educate yourself. Read. Easy money on Amazon, on Indigo, or wherever you get the books. Uh, love um, to have you back on at some point in time. Absolutely. We, absolutely. I would are, love to hear are... what you got to say about chat GTP bot. We're definitely going to have you on whenever you want, whenever you want to promote. Crier, the, the channel, would love to have you on. Just please, just reach out. Um, and just as a side note before Bondo takes us out, um, in all honesty, you do play down your undergraduate and BA, uh, BA in economics uh, in the book. Um, you know, tongue in cheek. Uh, if this acting thing doesn't work out, okay, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of maybe with you. You know, we're not too sure, right? Yeah. Considering it already think, has worked out, and you're yeah, already past yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. The here's the thing. I think you should honestly. I, I, I this is something that a career I think you'd be very successful in. For someone who plays down his BA in economics, uh, you mastered something that's fairly complex. I think you should get your CFP um, <laughs> because I think you having those three letters after your name, um, if this is something that you want to continue to do, um, is I'm not saying you need it, but I think it, it's something you should consider because you do have the brains, you have the perseverance. As a fellow CFP, I'd love to have you in the fold. And uh, finally, um, you also have the integrity, which a lot of your fellow Hollywood elite who are now being sued because they propped it up, uh, don't. Absolutely. And uh, for that, sir, th bottom of my heart, and I genuinely mean this, thank you. Because thank you. 
I was being told as a CFP that I didn't know what the heck I was talking about. And I was loony and I was nuts and I didn't understand code. So thank you. Um, Bondo from Canada. Thank you so much, Brandon. I really appreciate that, man. And I will, I will, I will, I will think about that. That is a good idea. It's an interesting idea. Thank you so much for your kind words, man. And thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm just, I'm very honored. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Bondo. Thanks guys. Take us out. Help us help you stay informed. Bye everybody. Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Hey, 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 hey. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. 